0: Hello and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan, and on this show, my guests and I unpack the stories that shape us and the lives that we lead on our path to self-mastery. Today on the show, we have Cliff Washington. Cliff is a podcast host and an art director slash brand strategist who's worked in and around advertising creative agencies for many years. We discuss what it was like growing up in upstate New York, then spending 15 plus years in the city, and how we went from growing up in church to exploring how other religions and and just other people lead their lives, ultimately helping him to shape the life that he leads now. So, let's not wait any longer. Let the games begin. Cliff, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Thank you, Nick. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. Great. So Cliff, we were kind of joking a little bit before we hit record that it feels like we've known each other for maybe a couple months, at times, maybe a couple years. But realistically, I think it's been about two years and you were like, yeah, man, COVID time. Uh, and you're totally right. Like for the most part, since all this COVID stuff, every day kind of feels like a Wednesday. Like and sometimes <laughs> I think like, man, I don't have any meetings today. Shit, it must be the weekend. Do you kind of <laughs> feel the same with that? I know you kind of work, uh, work a lot too.
1: Well, yeah, because yesterday, um, I, you know, I kind of forgot it was Friday, um, the week. (laughs) So in the middle of the week, Wednesday, I went to the city because right now I'm in upstate New York. I'm on a bit of a sabbatical from the city. I've been there for 16 years, but I went back Wednesday for a conversation with um, this guy I know who's a, well, he used to be executive creative director for uh, ad agency in New York. And now he's um, in the C-suite as chief experience design officer. So he was giving a talk at Ogilvy in New York and, you know, I saw it on LinkedIn and went down great day. Um, he's a really great guy, met a lot of great people, did some good networking. Um, but yeah, that kind of messed up my week. Cause when I came back, it was like, you know, the next day on Thursday, going back into the, into the regular work week. And by the time, like I said, by the time I got to Friday, it was just like, man, what day is it? Oh shoot. It's the weekend. Uh, to, uh The next day is Saturday. Wow. And then, you know, it was another late night, late agency night till like 12 o'clock at night. So that just throws me off. Yeah,
0: I, I know what that life can look like. And I, we were talking a bit about that as well. So why don't you give some context, Cliff? Tell us what you do for a living and one thing that most people don't know about you.
1: So my name is Cliff Washington. I am an art director and brand strategist. I currently work with an agency, ad agency out in California. Um, from upstate New York. And like I said, um, I was in the city for in New York City for 16 years as a creative professional.
2: Uh, one thing that people may not know about me is I'm the first in my immediate family to graduate college. Wow.
0: Was that something that you wanted to do uh, as a kid? I know there are certain kids that are like, man, I want to be the first one. Or is it something you just kind of worked your way into?
1: I mean, when I was a kid, all I wanted to do was, you know, Play play college basketball. That's what I remember the most. So yeah, I wanted to go to Syracuse University and play in the Carrier Dome and have Jim Boeheim for my coach. But you know, athletically that wasn't the route. Um, and in terms of, I mean, my mom she wanted college for me even more than than I did because you know we come from a very much working class background. So um, to be the first, it was it was pretty cool. I mean, that was something that. Uh, was definitely on my mind uh, going into college.
0: Yeah. So, what happened with uh, with college ball?
1: Oh well, like in in high school, um, it's funny because I was always the tallest kid in my class till about I want to say eighth grade or so, and I just kind of stopped mm-hmm. growing. And um, by the time I I um, got to like freshman junior varsity, I was switching over from like power forward center to shooting guard but all my skills I had developed um throughout the years were more for like a forward center position so all the ball handling and shooting and everything um you know it was kind of like starting all over again and then I wasn't necessarily like super focused on that uh because I'd split a lot of the time between like art and music and such um and then later on I had issues with one of the coaches and him being a bit of a jackass So, um, but at the end of the day, it was more so that, um, I think my passion wasn't necessarily in it to, uh, you know, to put in those hours for, for that. And, um, yeah, it wasn't necessarily the path, which is fine. And also, um, really battling a lot of confidence issues. That was kind of half of uh, what I dealt with playing basketball was, um, not having confidence. It's funny because probably within the last three years playing basketball, I've developed confidence and, and acceptance in the skills that I have. And it's made me play like a lot better than I ever used to, which is odd, you know, all these years later. Well, you can kind of settle into it. You know, at this point, there's not that
0: pressure. Like I, I didn't play uh, high school sports. I played sports growing up, but by the time I got to high school, I was like, I don't want to deal with the politics. I'm good. Mm. And that was a lot of politics. You know, I had friends that did it and that probably went through the same thing you did where it was a matter of the travel ball, going to do different things and, uh, and having a lot of that pressure. So I could imagine years later when you're just playing street ball or just LA fitness ball, basically. At that point, what pressure do you have besides just being you? And when you think to what great coaches talk about with their players, they say, just go out and play. Just go do it. You know, and I, I I think we can take some of that even into our businesses. We can take that mm-hmm. into the jobs that we have where, you know, we were talking a bit about the agency life uh, and how there's some times where it's just, it can be stressful, super stressful. So how do you take that confidence that you have in that, uh, that way to be able to kind of pull yourself back? You go, all right, cool. I'm here. No pressure. Let me just rock and roll with that. Do you feel like you can translate that into other things now
1: or, or not? So let me give you um, this analogy. I don't even know if it's necessarily an analogy, but one of the issues I had in basketball was overthinking. It's like I could do a lot of working on my handling um, at home in the basement. And then when I'm in the game and I'm thinking to myself, okay, am I dribbling right? Let me make sure I don't dribble it off my foot. So as you overthink about that, then you dribble it off your foot. So it can kind of Mm -hmm. be the same thing in business and in in, uh, uh, whatever skill or craft it is that you're working on is like when you put the time in you put the work in while you're um practicing whatever that skill or craft is you don't necessarily in the moment have to keep harping back on okay make sure i'm doing this step one is right and then step mm-hmm. two is like having the faith in yourself to believe that since you put the work in you can kind of effortlessly um part, uh, participate in, in And whatever it is that you're doing, and it will naturally, um, your skill will naturally show. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's uh, confidence that comes from just knowing your shit, whatever it is. Just going, I I know that I know the things that I know, so I'm Mm -hmm. bringing these into the mix. How do you work with uh, your your newer role and the projects that you have, kind of managing your mindset in, in that sort of light?
1: Um, I think the number one thing at this point is having an understanding of, um, the role within the context of the particular company I'm working at and, um, mm. you know, knowing when to fight against the tide and knowing when to roll with the tide. And that has, again, has to do with a sort of, um, um, how, how can I say it? A social awareness, Right you know mm-hmm. w- when it comes to the politics of a particular place and then also your own kind of self-awareness and what you can deal with because uh you know there's a lot of time there's two routes when you're at some place that presents challenges either it's to just accept it and understand that you can't change something and not try to control it or take off and leave you know so <laughs> understanding what I I can do and what I can't do and when I can um fight against the go against the grain and when I can't go against the grain. And it takes some uh maneuvering and it takes some uh uh kind of feeling out the temperature, um, which can be uncomfortable, but you you kinda have to do that to be able to navigate a particular place. And then also, oh, one of the biggest things is boundaries. and that's I guess with any point in life, but specifically in the workplace to um Kind of let your boundaries be known to whether it's your higher ups or coworkers, and because that's one thing that people will test if it's not set, you know, pretty early on about about what your boundaries are.
0: It's a good point with boundaries since everything happened with COVID, and people either went hybrid and remote uh, remote working, and working in an office and having to go in every once in a while, or the other people that all just. Are completely remote at this point. It can Mm -hmm. feel like you're on an island and it can feel like you're doing things by yourself, but there is, you got to be able to stand up and say something and set those boundaries. I I talk to different people at times that uh, uh, feel like they're abused by the people they work with because they just expect that they're always on doing the things. And for the most part, um, being in a newer role, there's a balance to that. Where like you don't know what that, um, what everybody else is doing. You know, you don't know how everybody else is working. So how are you balancing your mindset right now? Kind of figuring out the lay of the land, what you should, what you shouldn't be doing, and actually what aligns with you, without just cutting, cutting and running, and being like, "Meh, I don't like any of this. I'm out."
1: Well, um, well, for one, since I'm freelance, uh, there's a certain amount of flexibility that you can have um okay. and also working on teams yeah. you know on the weekend if it's not uh made known that there needs to be help uh for a particular project or something i just set teams on do not disturb and then i don't get any messages <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and i'll just get it sunday night or or monday morning or something you know and if it's if it's urgent enough they'll just like call me or something like that um but in terms of some of the other boundaries uh there was another point i was going to make but um I think it's just about uh, trying to have real conversations with people. Um, And what what was your question again? I want to make sure I hit it right.
0: Well, for the most part, you kind of hit some of it. And I think the the boundaries thing is really what we're talking about and what we're Mm -hmm. going through. Because there are boundaries that you can set within yourself. Um, But being brand new to a place, you can be unsure of what the boundary should be. And not wanting to be like, hey, I know I'm new here, but I don't want to do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: without understanding like, how to go about it. Then you toss in the mix freelance, because at mm-hmm. that point, somebody can't say, hey, you're W-2, this is what you have to do. Yeah. It's kind of a freelance state. And it's interesting how things have moved in that direction, because there are a lot of people that are like, look, I don't want to work here anymore. I'm going to go freelance, or I'm going to go do this okay. or do that. And I think, to get outside of the boundaries a bit, I think there are certain people that are really frustrated in what they're doing. Don't know exactly what they want to do, but they're afraid to dig deeper into it. So they just say, fuck it, I'm out.
1: Okay. And so I, I think what it's, a, I was gonna say. it's a mindset thing. I had it. a conversation with an old coworker. Um, she is at the Tamron Hall show now. Actually, she was on the last episode of my podcast. Check it out when you get a chance. Creators Life, Spotify, <laughs> Apple, blah, blah, blah. Um, her name <laughs> is uh, Miranda uh, Johnson. But, you know, I was asking her. You know how she a similar question how do you deal with that type of stuff and her answer to me was my eyes are always on the prize you know in terms of her wanting to be able to start her own thing you know or a certain position that she has in mind for uh her future so that keep that kept her from just throwing her hands up and, and just walking out the door um uh, because on her way to where she wants to get to she has to be able to take care of a son you know she has a family and uh, you know she just bought a house, yada, yada. So, you know, within reason, um, she's able to compartmentalize and separate also so she's not stressing herself to the point of of the job becoming like physically and, and mentally unhealthy yeah. for her. So um, again, to as much as she can to be able to focus on what her ultimate goal is and <clears throat> to not let anybody kind of steal her joy in the process of of getting there so that's kind of what i try to do um i try to like i'll give you a concrete example it's like when i get frustrated with something um and i'm about to like you know get to that point of like rage or something like that mm-hmm. i say you know okay is it worth uh bringing up this type of stress this type of um cortisol induced uh discomfort for this thing, is, does this thing I'm being getting stressed about really have some type of huge bearing on my life? You know what I mean. Um, yeah. So it's a balance between setting your boundaries and talking to people face to face or over audio about um, <laughs> how you actually feel about something, and you know how you how you feel something like went down and what you felt was possibly not right or whatever. And then also being like, you know, this isn't worth me. Um, this isn't worth me getting my health all out of whack for, and I need to focus on yeah. uh, my ultimate goal. But at the same time, you know, being a, a, be making sure that you're um, keep your eyes open for other places that might uh, be a little bit more healthy for you. Sure,
0: sure. Yeah, without constantly looking at is the grass greener somewhere else. Um without being able to run away from it. And I know that you, um, from what I know of you, you err on the side of service and love instead of going at somebody. So for the people that are out there that are kind of in similar spots and trying to work through that and figure out what their boundaries are, but don't really want to just instantly be like, nope, fuck you, that's not right, doesn't work with me. Um, How would
2: you suggest they go about that? That's a good question. So, yes, I err on the side of, you know, love and support. Um, so I always try to lead with that, but
1: um I also know that I have um the disciplinary daddy in me that will come out if if prodded and pushed in that sort of way. So, that's the last resort, but it's there if if needed. Um But I think that there is a certain, um, corporate speak that (laughs) I try to also keep in my pocket where, you know, you can kind of say F you without necessarily saying F you, um, (laughs) try to like, you know, make sure people
2: know where you stand, but also, um, um, I know that Given where I've
1: come from and my history and the things that I've dealt with, I also have to look at myself and say, all right, did you not understand something right in a certain situation? Or did you miss something? Or um, I have to leave that door open that, you know, maybe uh, there was something I didn't do right. So if I can have that clarity, that can help me, you know, maybe not completely lose my cool if it's something that I could have done better. So. (laughs) Once I kind of go through those, um, filters, um, I think that I get to a place where that helps guide me when it comes to being less reactive, but again, keeping it in my back pocket. If, you know, I need to bring out Stern Daddy, then it's, it's there too.
0: Was Stern Daddy what you actually grew up with or did you create that character? Like, this is the guy who says fuck no and puts his foot down. Like, where did Stern Daddy come from?
1: From a Stern Daddy, you know, like my, my dad grew up in uh East New York, Brooklyn, and you know, he grew up on he wasn't like of the street, but he grew up in the street, so you had the you had to really um set boundaries or you could be taken advantage of really easily. And, you know, I grew up in upstate New York, so You know, that environment wasn't up here, so I just kind of had to, you know, I would observe that every now and then, and my dad, when, you know, people would push him a little bit too far, but then also being in New York and how to navigate that environment, you have to have um, a bit thicker skin, and at the same time, kind of keep your eye
2: out for what's coming around the corner.
0: Yeah, that seems like just a regional Northeast thing we just kind of have a paranoia almost. <laughs> That's just, like, innate. Uh, so why don't, you, uh, why don't you share a couple stories that come to mind or little episodes in life that have helped you kind of shape who you are today,
2: either from being in the city or from when you grew up? Oh, so I would say that part of the story arc of
1: my life is... Um, kind of being on a journey to, it's going to sound kind of cliche and, and a woo-woo, but a journey of self-discovery in the sense of, um, you know, both my parents grew up, well, I'll start out like this. My dad grew up in a time in New York City where um, it was very like multicultural immigrant neighborhoods. So at the time, the Black families in Brooklyn, or at least that part of Brooklyn where he was, were kind of minority, grew up around Jewish people, Italians, Germans, uh Polish people. Uh, my mom grew up in a more uh predominantly black neighborhood, so um, when they met in upstate New York and me and my sister came along, we very much had the life that you know they wish they had in in suburban slash uh kind of country area. so growing up, there was less uh ability to identify culturally with a lot of African-Americans because we're surrounded by you know, white kids in school and in the neighborhood. So um, you kind of grew up with one notion of who you are but you're not necessarily treated the way that um, others are treated in, this, in the sense. So then when you go off to college and that was my first time being um, around you know, uh, a decent number of black kids. So then culturally you start to learn another thing And you kind of learn about that and soak that in. But in a certain sense, that's not necessarily who you are. So it's all this like kind of stuff all mixed in. It wasn't until I got to New York City where I started to find a tribe down there where it was like, it was like this mishmash because it was in, I went to school in Connecticut. So in Connecticut and upstate New York, things are just kind of can be stark and binary. And New York City is just like this, you know, it truly is a melting pot. So I think within that environment where I had to integrate so many sides of myself, um, I started to get a better sense of who I am. You know, it's not just you know me being a black kid in a white neighborhood or a black kid in um, uh, a school within a black crowd, but still us sticking out like a sore thumb. It was just this beautiful integration in New York City where I started to feel like okay this is the sum total of who I am and it feels natural and I get to express myself in a natural way without necessarily trying too hard in either direction. And then that's layered on top of other things when it comes to, you know, different family trauma and everything and trying to heal from that and confidence issues and trying to heal from that. So I think at this point in my life, that kind of makes up the sum total of, of who I've become and, can obviously, we're all continuously developing, and um, you know that's a nonstop journey until you're six feet
2: under or whatever. So, I think that that's a a decent synopsis of you know where I'm at right now. Yeah, that's
0: a bunch of things that's happened, all strung together to make you who you are. Um, you you'd even said that we're all growing, we're all mm-hmm. learning. Um, I w- wish that to be the case. I hope that is the case. I feel there are certain people that just want to do more of that as they grow up and as they learn. Uh, there are also the other people that allow things to just beat them and just say, well, that's, that's how life works. And I just get beaten and I don't want to explore. I don't want to keep exploring. You keep exploring. Do you think that came from your parents? Did that come
2: from, uh, where do you think that came from? To keep exploring. Yes, I think that... Um my mom in
1: particular is someone who um she was def- definitely she is more uh adventurous than my dad, so she kind of planted that seed of discovery. Not necessarily self-discovery, but I think uh discovery in general. Um and then I think that you know, my my older sister was a bit of a
2: hippie.
1: <laughs> so um I think I got a piece of that from her. And then I think, uh, going through, so I, so I grew up in church, uh, like four days a week, you know, like, uh, choir rehearsal and Bible study. And, and there was a soup kitchen that was ran on Fridays and Sunday service, sometimes two services a day. And when I saw that, uh, constantly break down in terms of infighting and, and backstabbing and all that stuff then that kind of told me that, all right, all
2: this, what all this was built up to be isn't turning out. They're not, they aren't who they say they are. So it's
1: like, how do I find my own path? You know, not to say that I'm like um, an atheist or anything like that, but still it's like, how do I find my own spiritual path? So given that process of evolution within spirituality, it's like, all right, what other processes of evolution are there um, outside its, uh, the, the spiritual realm? or how does the spiritual evolution connect to other forms of evolution? So it's just kind of constantly going down that route. And then I saw one of your questions with like, it was basically what was a pivotal moment in your life or something or something that uh, instigated a type of change. And that was probably around 2011, 2012, when I think within like a couple, a span of a month or two, uh, my dad had passed, uh, my girlfriend had left me and I had uh, been laid off from my job. So at that point it's kind of like, you know,
2: either you, you know, take a moment to stop, seek some type of help, or, you know, you just
1: kind of in uh, the, spend the rest of your days in this, your own like personal hell or something like that. So, yeah.
0: You can't really just stop there with a yeah. Like there's a lot more to it than that. You know, that's that's one of those things where some people will say uh, shitty things happen in threes or deaths happen in threes or whatever. That is a legit. It happened in three for you. So how did you how did you manage growing from there? And as you look back now, ten years, you know, you you lost a couple major pieces, one major piece in your life, and then something that kind of unrooted everything from you. So how, do you, how did you manage your mindset through that course of the time
2: and being able to look at it now and just reflect upon it? Um, well, I think that what helped a lot was
1: um, deciding to go to therapy after all that and being, and
2: having someone to kind of unleash a lot of that on because uh, I hadn't really done that before. And I think that it, it can it's very difficult to
1: uh, face those moments because um, I think at the bottom of it, you're kind of, you get to the point where you really have to look at yourself in the mirror. And that's kind of the, the biggest pain point for, I think, all of us. Um, I don't think anybody wants to look at themselves and see certain deficiencies or pain or trauma. Because, you know, you don't know if you'll uh, survive that. And very leg- legitimately, some people have not survived that, you know, they haven't. Some people haven't. Um, so I think and and also what carried me through that was um, I had a friend group at the time. And I'm still friends with them. And, you know, we had all been kind of going through breakups at the time, too. So we had kind of formed this uh, um, Lay Miserables group that would meet up a couple of times a week. <laughs> And uh, gets, get drinks at a local gentleman's kind of cocktail bar. And I don't mean gentleman's as in like strip strip club place, but just like, you know, old old style like gentleman's bar. So, you know, having therapy and friends to kind of release all that helped a lot. And then I, I discovered meditation around that time. And, you know, I had read a little bit about it and was highly confused about how, how it would be helpful. And I had decided that, you know, I'll try it. I don't know if it'll help or not but I'll I'll try it and excuse me at first um I didn't really see any type of benefit to it cuz it was just like all right I'm just sitting here <laughs> excuse me and um and I'm sitting here and I can't really stop my thoughts and over time I was able to kind of settle into um the practice in the sense of not trying to expect any particular thing out of it and just be able to sit and um try to focus on the breath and when my mind wandered just try to come back to the breath without blame or um or, or putting myself down and then over time you know you start to notice things change you start to become more aware of of uh and also I think age too it has to do with age but you start to become more aware of uh either things that trigger you or not to be as um triggered by certain things and um And when that happens, you start to gain more confidence in who you are, what you can do, what you can't do, what you're deficient in, what you need to work on to relieve those, those deficiencies or what deficiencies are just
2: kind of, um, you know, just part of who you are. Um, So, yeah, I think that was the basic process. Oh, and one one more
1: thing is that when it came to the the trauma, you know, my father dying or losing a job or losing a, a partner. You know, that type of mourning just has to kind of have its own timeline. And I, I, you know, kind of constantly relearn that is um, the worst thing to do is kind of hide from that type of grief because it's going to have its day eventually and you just kind of have to go through it. Yeah. And you talked
0: about it and you talked to somebody. You actually sat down, you took that step to talk to somebody. A lot of people don't. And I, I go to therapy, I think everybody should. You do, you know? Think about the, the time that you were able to spend actually talking through some of it, even if somebody didn't say anything back to you. Just being able to get that out, process through some of that, that helps. Uh, how did
2: that all relate to your faith, though? Um, well, the, the way I grew up in church, this is going to be a, a
1: weird way to relate it to it, but um, it wasn't necessarily,
2: um, it wasn't, um, they didn't, it wasn't looked nicely upon to go to therapy, basically, at least
1: in the the church that I went to. So, you know, if you had to resort to going to therapy, and this is within the church and also within, uh, black culture, you know, is a moral failing if, you can't just kind of depend on praying praying it away and i think that revealed something to me in the sense that and this is kind of on along my my spiritual path and spiritual journey is that um i found out that people would say that because they were afraid of what they might find uh, if they really had to confront themselves instead of just praying it away or saying that they were trying to pray it away. And that kind of broke down the walls. walls when it came to the facade that I got from, you know, the church that I went to. Now, on the other side, in terms of how faith relates to therapy, is that, and I think I told my mom this before, you know, if if God... Is responsible for everything, then he's also responsible for the knowledge and wisdom of therapists. So we shouldn't have any type of qualms about, you know, seeing a therapist if, um, if you want to go that route. And then also, um, you know, there's nothing really new under the sun. Any feelings or emotions that a human has had today, you know, a human has had, uh, 10,000 years ago, you know, to a
2: different degree of, um, human development. So, um, I think that when I when I when it comes to say Buddhist philosophy or Christian philosophy, um, I think I take to heart that God again has created people with the knowledge and the wisdom who aren't necessarily your your
1: priest or your pastor that can help you um heal from certain traumas and they don't even have to believe themselves it's just you know
2: they were put in that position so yeah that's that's how i feel about that
0: it's so so interesting with um different people play different roles in our lives and i'm there with you i think um uh, god gives us that wisdom and knowledge and understanding and sometimes that can come from the weirdest spots somebody that you run into in a grocery store, could say something that's in context of their own conversation that answers one of your questions. Mm -hmm. So in that sort of sense, it's cool to see, to me at least, it's cool to see God work through those ways, where you're like, what? Was that for me? Mm -hmm. Did I just catch that? Um, It's it's such an interesting thing to think that therapy is a no-no, uh, I can understand like the moral side where the people are afraid like i don 't want to actually explore the the shit that 's deep inside of me, but you should just put dirt on it and get up, kid go back um the The weird thing with the religious side and i 'm christian and i I was in churches for a long time i didn 't really grow up in church, um, but in my twenties and early thirties played worship uh lead guitar, so I was in churches and saw a lot of people kind of go through this stage of just wearing masks, but then being things outside of it. I used to make jokes, uh, even Catholic jokes, because I was raised Catholic. I was like, man, they'd all go in, they'd talk about bake sales and a couple things, and I'd grab one of the pamphlets in the back, and then they'd all walk outside and just smoke a cigarette and start yelling at their kids. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, what is this? How does this make any sense? We can't let people stop us from the truth. So the truth that we believe to be truth is what we believe it to be, without allowing other things to influence that. And we're, you're smart enough at this point to be able to look back and reflect on some of those things. So when you think of your faith now and all the stuff that's happened, do you think that you have a stronger understanding of what faith actually means to you? Or do you think there's still more of that human side that you kind of battle through?
1: Oh, yeah, I absolutely have a stronger um, understanding of my faith, which is, you know, it's much more complicated than it was when I was in in high school. So um, at this point, I'm pretty much the best way I would have to put it is agnostic in the sense of um, I feel like I've talked to enough people from a variety of cultures where I think that there are multiple routes to the same thing you know whether you're christian uh muslim buddhist hindu and i think that was a big eye-opener for me is that there's so much wisdom and knowledge and and a variety of world religions that um i think i take heart knowing that because you know there are similarities in, in some of the creation stories but also uh big differences too but um i think it sort of grew my faith in the sense of it wasn't stuck to this one particular thing you know because i think you know within the christian faith like you know baptists feel that they have the one true way to heaven uh protestants think they have the one true way lutherans think you know but knowing that there are other religions that are trying to explain our existence and have different um uh Rules and philosophies that um, can be uh, helpful and some hurtful, but being able to to pick from those to kind of form my spirituality and or at least continuously nourish my spiritual journey is what I have in, in my faith right now, um, probably the one that is most prominent in my life right now, and you know I think in certain schools they don't necessarily uh, uh consider themselves a religion but within buddhism it's i think brought me a certain amount of peace and a certain amount of understanding of the world that um makes the most sense to me at this point in my life right now the thing within christianity that interests me is one um having a better understanding of different uh texts that talks about that is kind of pre King James translation of things that uh Jesus was talking about. I think that fascinates me. And then also um I have this book um that's kind of like Afrocentric uh, Christianity or something like that. But understanding it from that perspective too has been a bit eye-opening because of the way that um Christianity was kind of taught within my church growing up in
2: America. So seeing the breadth of understanding of Christianity has been a big help. It
0: seems like you've done a lot of uh, exploring, and we've kind of covered some of that. That comes from your mom, apparently, the exploration side. But to be able to actually take these pieces and kind of see what works and what doesn't work for you, and then kind of do some of the deep work with that. So when you think of doing just deep work in general on yourself and through the body of your own work over the past fifteen twenty years, what do you find that you're actively working on now um that maybe you think would have been too hard to conquer years ago
2: um I would say my own like uh deficiencies and foibles when it comes to um overthinking or you know learning
1: in a different way when it comes to traditional schooling, because that was a source of, you know, great shame. And I think at this point in my life, there's just an acceptance around it and a better understanding of how I um, digest information. So with that, I can then participate in things like, say, um, understanding math from the point of business and budgeting it helps me be able to get better at math overall than necessarily how it was taught in high school through you know kind of the traditional um, institutional structured way of that they taught it. And for some people that works, but for me it didn't, but understanding from I guess the real world um, the real world perspective of being able to take care of a monthly budget or putting financial goals together or um, you know, what it takes to run a business and profit and loss and stuff like that. Um, I think something that I can get my hands
2: around in my own personal life makes that a little bit easier for me to um, participate in.
0: So what would you say would be one piece of advice that you would give for somebody that's on their path towards self-mastery?
1: There is no... I feel for true self-mastery, there's no way around the pain. You just have to walk through it, which is in itself can be traumatizing and very difficult and um, can test you to the limits of your ability. But I think that is the only one true way to self-mastery.
0: Well put, man. What an awesome way to put that. And I appreciate you being on the show today. It's been so great to catch up. Uh, it's crazy that we've already known each other for two years at this point, but it's been beautiful to watch the progression that you've gone through, even with this new gig. And I always enjoy our conversation. So thank you for being on with us today. Same here. Uh, before we let you go, where can people connect with you?
1: So you can find me on, uh, on Instagram at NoCliff3, uh, which is K-N-O-C-L-I-F-F-3. And then I'm on LinkedIn at uh, Cliff Washington. You'll find most of my activity on those platforms. Oh, and also, I'm sorry. I should I should mention my my podcast. Please check out my podcast, The Creator's Life. You find me on Spotify, Apple, and Soundcloud. Soundcloud. Many great creative conversations uh, with amazing people. And
0: we cannot forget that at all, uh, Cliff. That was in that was a great episode when you had me on your show. That was actually my first podcast uh, as a guest. So thank you for helping (laughs) with that. And you are a great host. Uh, you ask, I think at times better questions than I did. Um, (laughs) so I appreciate that. So everybody go check out his podcast. Uh, there, the notes are going to be in here and all that. So thank you again, Cliff. It was a pleasure, man. Thank you. This was great. Another great conversation on today's episode of the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. So what did you think about how Cliff answered the question of giving one piece of advice for people on their path towards self-mastery? I love the quote of, there's no way around the pain. You just have to walk through it. Man, such a simple yet beautiful way to put it. And I know we try to get away from the pain, but really the way through it And to get through it is by going through it. So what did you think? I'd love to hear your thoughts on the topics we got into today, and especially that one. And if you enjoyed the episode, please jump over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a five-star review. It really, really helps us to be found and helps others to be healed. And if you really enjoyed the show, please go ahead and share it with your friends, family, whoever you'd like. And check out the show notes for more info, contact info for Cliff, and check out the other episodes of The Mindset and Self Mastery Show on themindsetandselfmasteryshow.com. You can also go to our YouTube channel and check out some awesome clips. Just go to YouTube and type in The Mindset and Self Mastery Show, and you'll see us. And thanks again, Cliff, for being real, for being honest, and for being vulnerable. And thank you to you. Thank you for being with us. I'd also like to thank our sponsors for today, the Manly Club and the Powerhouse Men Brotherhood. Do you consider yourself to be a powerhouse man? The criteria for becoming one is simple. Live with virtue and do great work. You see, a powerhouse man builds his life. He doesn't settle for it. He attacks mediocrity at the root, and that's exactly what we do in the Powerhouse Men's Brotherhood. So visit themanlyclub.com for more details. And with that, remember your mindset matters and so do you.